You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. It's kind of been our secret ingredient that we both excel in different lanes, and it's been really part of the rocket fuel that I think has propelled us to where we are today. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Today, we're talking to Michelle Yeager Thornton, co-owner and chief operating officer of the Champion Companies. Michelle leads operational efforts and day-to-day actions of the company's portfolio of communities, which includes 5,000 apartment homes and assets totaling more than $750 million. No small task, so we're thrilled she's made time for us. Additionally, Michelle leads Champion's philanthropic initiatives. The business is a five-time recipient of the Corporate Citizenship Award from Columbus Business First for its efforts in the community. In our conversation, we explore the diverse range of work Michelle leads at Champion and in the community, how she founded the company with her brother, and how it all relates back to softball. Better up. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. I guess to start off with, could you tell me a little bit about the journey that brought you into commercial real estate? How did you wind up doing this? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I will say that it feels wonderful to be sitting in person with people now and to be out. So it's nice to be here. Uh, I will tell you that my journey uh, maybe wasn't exactly planned out. And I think a lot of people are surprised to find out that my grand plan in life was to be a teacher thought I would teach and coach high school softball and... Oh, did you play softball? I did. What position did you um, play? I played first base and I batted fourth. Ah. So I was a better hitter than a fielder. I was I was a very competitive softball player. We can, we can sidebar on softball <laughs> okay. later. I was a pitcher. Okay. So. <laughs> so yeah, so I thought I would go into education. And when I started out at Ohio State, that was my plan. And... Um, started taking some history classes. And then, you know, that even just kind of further solidified the fact that I teach high school history, but ended up taking a position in property management for a small owner operator here in our area. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, You know, I actually sat in the chair and was leasing apartments to people and helping them find homes that met their needs. Um, Went on to get a real estate license and was also selling homes too. And did that throughout college and had to make a decision when I got done about which path. I was kind of at a fork in the road at that point and just kind of listened to that inner voice and followed my passion, which, you know, at the time was shaping up to be real estate and stuck with that. So um, I was joined by my brother when he graduated from college a few years later. So we, you know, 
did property management work for apartment communities during the day and sold homes at night. And I think I was really attracted to the fast pace of it all. No two days ever looked the same and found a lot of meaning in connecting people with their homes. That's, mm-hmm. that's really meaningful work. So it worked out that I was still able to coach softball. Okay. So. I was going to ask if you do. <laughs> I did. And you know, if I'm being honest, that was probably the driver of the two. Um, and I just always thought you had to be a teacher to, to be a coach. Um, so one of the nice things with, you know, working in real estate and working as a realtor is that you're somewhat in charge of your schedule. And so I was able to carve out time for 10 years, actually, to coach softball. To coach high school softball? Yeah, yeah. So I only let that go when it looked like family was probably on the horizon. And at that point, I just didn't have the time to to continue with that. I'd like to think I'll get back to it someday. Well, yeah. Do you have kids? I do. I have um, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. Um, and do they play? My daughter is the nine-year-old and, um, currently she's in retirement from softball. Uh, Early burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really didn't even really get into it. She played a couple seasons and, um, she has been drawn into the world of horseback riding. Oh. And I am just supportive of her and her passion and kind of secretly say a little prayer from time to time that she might find her way back to a ball field, but. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. So, um, yeah, just kind of stuck, stuck with the real estate and, um, Brian and I, my partner is my, my younger brother, Brian, he's our president and CEO, um, had an opportunity in 2010 to start our own company. Running a business alongside close family members can be rewarding, but it can also come with unique sets of challenges. I wanted to hear what pros and cons Michelle finds and the working dynamic she shares with her brother. We actually like each other a lot and people are so surprised to find out, um, you know, that we like each other, that we spend time outside of the office together. Um, you know, we're, we're really close. We live on the same street. He has four kids. I have three kids. Um, it's really probably been one of the greatest blessings in my life, if I'm being honest. Uh, we have completely different skill sets. Um, he is, you know, absolutely our, our visionary, your quintessential CEO that's always, you know, way out in front of things um, and kind of mapping out our, our direction. And I really thrive operationally, you know, putting pieces together, making things work, fixing problems, um, the weeds. I'm, I'm, I excel in the weeds um, and making things work. So I handle our properties operations and work with our teams you know, that work in the communities and our marketing team and our chief people officer and the hiring and the recruiting. So I handle the day-to-day operations and he really, you know, handles leading the development front and it works well. Do you all ever have to make a rule about we're not going to talk about business at Thanksgiving or, or how do you handle personal versus the professional? You know, no, I don't think that we've ever had to I had to make make a rule like that. I will say though that I have noticed over the years that we might all start out in a room together and then we must end up talking about business or get into something that doesn't interest people and people will kind of slowly trickle out of the room. But no, I think we do a nice job balancing it. And honestly, with so many little kids, like we certainly are are forced to kind of redirect our attention and our time. That's true. I have found now that there's more kids in my family running around, that is yeah, yeah. I'm always the focus of Absolutely. a holiday gathering. So now, you know, I have said before too, that I really think um, 
it's kind of been our secret ingredient that we both excel um, in different lanes. And it's been really part of the rocket fuel that I think has propelled us um, to where we are today, you know, mm -hmm. that he can focus on the things that he's really good at. And, um, you know, I can do everything operationally to help support the vision. The concept of vision is particularly important at the Champion Companies, which has been recognized as both an industry leader and for giving back. I asked Michelle about the organization and what they're currently working on. We're headquartered here in Westerville, Ohio. Um, we have 5,000 Class A apartments um, in and around the suburbs of Columbus here. And um, in addition to, you know, managing the properties that we own, we have... Um, you know, developed a property and are looking to do more of that here in the hopefully near future. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm extremely passionate about the work that our, our philanthropy arm does, Champion Cares. Um, that's something that I put a lot of my time and energy into as well. Um, we founded the Champion Cares Foundation in 2014. Um, not to say that we weren't, you know, giving before that, um, Maybe not as much, maybe more of our time at the at the beginning, but um, it's always, I think, just been a goal of of ours to not just run a profitable company, but to also make sure that we're um, focused on helping others and helping lifting up, you know, our most vulnerable neighbors. And um, you know, I had mentioned that I have young kids. Brian, my partner, my business partner, has young kids. So in 2014, when we really, you know, took pen to paper and wanted to formalize our giving plan with Champion Cares, um, it was clear to us that we really wanted to lean into women, children, um, single parents that maybe were struggling with food insecurity or um, with finding shelter, families experiencing homelessness. And I think that that came from a place specifically for me, just knowing that you know, on my best days, parenting is hard. So to just even try to imagine being in a position with young kids and not knowing how you're going to feed them or where you might sleep at night, that that's where we really wanted to direct our time and our resources. So um, we have really strong partnerships with the YWCA and the Family Center that they run, um, Boys and Girls Club, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. We do a lot of work with Children's Hunger Alliance. Um, and I think, you know, really our vision is to just continue to do more of it. Um, I think our proudest accomplishment to date is uh, the new Boys and Girls Club that's going to open um, here shortly, later this year, in the Milo Grogan community. Um, and that is a brand new club for all the kiddos in that community. And it also combines their corporate offices, the Boys and Girls Club corporate offices, into the same space. So watching that go up and take shape, especially through COVID, just always, you know, continue to be like a bright spot for everybody. Um, so now we're getting close to the end and um, it's about to be even more exciting. What has been Champion's connection to that project? Our connection to that. So um, there was a $13.5 million raise that needed to be done. And Champion Companies took a lead role in that, specifically Brian. Um, and we made a, a lead donation of two and a half million dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, we're close to goal. I don't know that we're quite there yet. So for anyone who's passionate about Boys and Girls Club, um, there's still time. Here's your opportunity. Here's your yeah. opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, getting back to, to the earlier part of talking about the business, that you had developed one property and are hoping to do more. Sure. Uh, obviously, that's the thing we write a ton about here at Columbus Business First is that we need more housing in the region uh, with our growing population. 
talk about your goals to build more, to develop more, um, any challenges that you face in trying to do that or why that's an opportunity you're excited about? Sure. So, um, yes, as I've mentioned, we have developed a community in the past and, um, you know, certainly pride ourselves on being an opportunistic organization. Um, we primarily have been doing property management work for the, the communities that we own, um, but are, you know, exploring opportunities to, to do additional developments, um, specifically one in Dublin that could start to take shape later this year. Um, but I would agree with you, housing is something that the city continues to focus on. And, you know, every, every time I open, I guess I'm not opening a paper, but every time I go online and, um, you know, are even reading articles on business first, we just, we continuously have new jobs coming to the area. Um, and so I think we all know that to be able to continue to keep up and be a place that companies want to come or, um, relocate to, we need more housing. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's going to continue to need to be a focus and be a focus for our city, um, and especially affordable housing. Mm -hmm. We need more of it. For anyone with a high-powered job like Michelle's, it can be easy to overdo it, to feel pressured to spend long hours in the office, especially with the staffing and workforce issues we've seen across all industries in recent years. I wondered how Michelle approaches her work-life balance especially now that the pandemic has shifted our relationship to working from home. You know, I think that there's puts and takes there. There's some weeks that, you know, it's absolutely every bit of 40, maybe more. Um, A lot of that's kind of just driven by what we have going on as a company. Are we selling a community? Are we acquiring a couple new communities? Do we have some new initiative? Um, And there's other weeks that I back off from that you know, and might only be in the office a couple of days a week, uh, you know, with three kids. So we started this company, I got married, then I decided it would be a really amazing idea to have three kids in, you know, less than three years. Um, so I squeezed a lot of life into, into five or six years there. But, um, you know, I think that I put a lot of the hard work in to get the company to where it is today. And, I have to be intentional. I have to remind myself that it's okay to be able to take a step back. And I've had a lot of smart, wise women come before me and tell me that these these days and these years go really, really fast and to make sure that I'm taking the time to be home and to be present. So I think the shorter answer is, is that, you know, there might be some weeks that we're talking 20, 25 hours, um, you know, so that I can be at horseback riding lessons and can be at the swim meets. And I'm an awesome vacation mom. <laughs> um, I really do a nice job um, on vacation. We spend a lot of time in Florida. And it took a while to be able to really just unplug and leave the devices. But I crush vacation. <laughs> we're at the beach. We're taking boat rides. Um, but, you know, it te- to the point that I was just making about how there's puts and takes with it, we'll come back from a vacation. And I might be in the office late, you know several nights after that just to to get caught back up. So I try to have grace, grace for myself with all of it and know that it's not going to be, it's not going to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the question about balance, I'm glad you didn't ask it that way. Because <laughs> um, I don't subscribe to that. I really, I just don't think that that's even healthy to try to preach to people about, you know, you got to find the balance. When I think of balance, I think of, you know, a couple people on a teeter-totter trying to just get it right and then what? What if you actually hit the balance? Then you're just supposed to hold it and nothing can move. Um, 
you know, there's life and there's work and they're not mutually exclusive. We've got to be able to make it all work and just know sometimes might have more opportunity um, with family to, to take trips and other times you might have to dig in a little bit more at work. Yeah, I feel like the pandemic and, you know, the shift to remote work, as much as it was so difficult at the times that it felt like you were always working, you know, there also became an increased understanding that like, yeah, your day is just looks a lot different now in terms of kids and work and your life and everything. So I think people are starting to understand that. Hopefully, as you said, we're now returning to things being a little bit more normal. But looking back on two years ago, what impact did the pandemic have on Champion and on you personally and some of these, you know, tricky work life questions? Sure, sure. Um, Well, you know, we in a relatively short amount of time had to figure out how to run our business uh, in a completely different way that none of us had been accustomed to. Champion had never been an organization that, you know, did any work from home. Uh, we really pride ourselves on the culture and are an extremely collaborative group. And virtually overnight, you know, we admittedly didn't have a plan for something like this. Um, we had to figure out how to turn it all off and, and restart things from home. At the corporate office, you know, that wasn't as challenging. You know, Zoom kind of showed up on the scene and that was easy enough for everybody to do. Uh, at our communities though. You know, we're a, a customer facing industry and when people come and wanna find an apartment, I think the expectation is there, someone there to greet me and help me through this process. So trying to navigate how we were gonna continue to you know, lease apartment homes um, and even more importantly, not allow our residents to feel like they had been abandoned. You know, we have hundreds and you know thousands of people in our, our our apartment community. So it was important to them during this time to make sure that, you know, they felt supported and their needs and their homes were being met. So it, it became the challenge really to figure out how operationally we were going to run these apartment communities during COVID. So, you know, we, we kind of skinned things down a little bit. And instead of having four or five people in a clubhouse, we put everybody on a rotation. So only one person would be in the office during the day. Um, you know, so that we still had a presence um, so that if residents had needs, they could come in and maybe we could talk outside or ensure the fact that there was enough social distance. Maintenance requests, um, we had to be a little bit more creative with that. And uh, we would schedule them at times that people weren't in their homes. Uh, I can remember when I uh, had someone call me at the office and say, you'll never believe what our technician Jamie did. Um, he FaceTimed somebody. They had an issue with a garbage disposal and were terrified, and rightfully so. This was very early on in the pandemic to have any of us in their home. They didn't want to leave their home so we could come in when they weren't there. And he said, you know what? I'm going to walk you through this on FaceTime. It's like telehealth, but yeah, for your basically, garbage disposal. Exactly. So, you know, we had to be adaptable. Um, but we got through it, and I, I would absolutely say we're a stronger organization coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I feel really blessed in the sense that everybody that we've surrounded ourselves with at Champion are just individuals that want to roll up their sleeves and find a way to get things done. And that really, really showed itself um, in how we were able to navigate the pandemic. It's clear Michelle draws a firm line between managing the business and time off in a way that works for her and her family. But we can't rely on big vacations as our only means to relax. What about a normal work week? How does she unwind? 
any more softball on the agenda? I drink wine. Uh, <laughs> on the weekend, you said Saturday. I did. On Saturday, I did. you know, I am probably having a glass of wine. Uh, but, you know, to, to just stay in good headspace throughout the week, uh, I, in the last two or three years, have started doing yoga. I was terrible at it at the beginning. Um, but now, I, if I don't get two or three in in a week in the morning, I just, I don't feel right. It's like the more I've done it, the more that I need it. So I do some yoga. I do like meditation, although admittedly, I have a hard time, like, clearing my head of I know. All the, I feel like when I try to meditate, I'm just thinking the whole time of how bad a job I, I'm doing at meditating. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I, I do the same thing. And then sometimes I'm like, well, wouldn't it just be easier to sleep? I could just sleep. Um, so some yoga, some meditation on the weekends. I think I'm a water person. Um, our family, we're just kind of like a water family. So we spend a lot of time at the pool or, you know, like I said, we'll spend time in Florida. So I think that that you know, is what recharges us as a family and how we like to spend time outside and around. Mm -hmm. Do you still ever play softball? No. You never did slow pitch or anything? I did. And it um, started and ended real quickly. Okay. It's a terrible story. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a grown up and we had a, a whole bunch of friends that said we should have this slow pitch softball team. And then everybody was coming to me because I'm the coach and I was the player. And we put a team together and we played our first game down at Burliner. And if I just want to fast forward through the not flattering part. It ended with my mom having to pick me up from the game and take me to the emergency room. Oh, no. First pitch in the first game on the team that, you know, I'm running, some very large, strong man came up to the plate and cracked this ball that hit me right in the forehead. <gasps> I mean, to the point that you could see like the oh, stitch marks. In my so that was the end of that. Huh? Had you ever had that happen no. in a fast pitch game? No. Yeah. Couldn't even react. Yeah. I mean, just, oh, that's that's my nightmare yeah. right there. Did you play in college? Too? No, okay. I didn't. Just I didn't. And, you know, I'll be honest. I think I was a much better coach than oh, okay. I was a player. I was a decent player. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, I really enjoyed coaching, and I really felt like I was making an impact there. Coaching is a form of mentorship, so it's notable that this has been a part of Michelle's life for a while. How does that relate back to workplace mentoring? For me, I don't think that it's ever looked, you know, like a traditional mentorship relationship. Very formal. It's more yeah. organic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and for a long time, I mean, especially in the early years of this business, I used to get kind of down on myself. I'm like, how do I not have a mentor? What's wrong with me? I, I need a mentor. How do you get a mentor? And I don't necessarily know when it was, but um, it just, it, it all kind of took shape in a different way for me. Um, you know, I think that I have found mentorship in a lot of different people over the years, you know, obviously starting with my mom, who certainly impressed upon us how important it was to give and give selflessly of your time and to work hard, you know, having her as a role model growing up really kind of paved the way for us. But, um, you know, in addition to that, I think early on in our business, um, what was really helpful for me are just some organizations that I joined. Um, I spent uh, four or five years as a member of the Women's President Organization here. I think they still have two chapters here in Columbus and um, had also joined a, a Vistage group. So, you know, just being able to surround myself with women in business in Columbus um, and to have that space once a month, um, sometimes a couple times a month, 
think there was even a retreat, a conference that we got to go to. Now, I think that there were different things that I took from all of those women um, very early on. So I think for me, you know, in terms of, you know, did you have a mentor? I, I had a lot. I had yeah. a lot of people um, that really impacted me in different ways. Do I mentor people? I, I would say I probably do. You know, I try to be helpful. I try to give good advice. Sometimes I can't avoid it. I just, oh, let me give you a piece of advice. <laughs> on that subject, here's the best advice she has to offer. If I had any advice for a young woman wanting to to get into real estate, specifically multifamily real estate, I would tell you to dive right in. Um, it is a very rewarding career. And like I said earlier, connecting people with their homes is very meaningful work. Uh, and I would also say that, you know, although there aren't enough, in my opinion, females in leadership roles in this industry, um, don't let that stop you because I have seen firsthand the impact the women women leaders in our organization have had and where they have been able to help lead and take our company to in the last 10 years. And there are just things about us as women that make us such a wonderful fit um, for multifamily real estate, you know, specifically um, our high levels of emotional intelligence, our ability to build strong teams, to be collaborative, you know, like we just mentioned with the pandemic, being able to be adaptable um, you know, is also something as women um, that I think that we really do well at. So uh, I, would, I would tell anybody to, to just go for it and to do it and to get in there and take up space and use your voice and, and know that it could really be a very successful career field. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I think that's a great note to end on and I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Sending a big thanks to all of you listening as well. Make sure you're following the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified of each new episode as it's released. Thanks once again to Michelle Yeager Thornton for giving us her time and such wonderful advice, both personal and professional. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time. 